Hi everyone. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with a very important guest, my mom. Together, we'll look back on what cooking and eating together meant for our family. We'll reflect on how our styles have evolved over the years, as well as the traditions we keep coming back to. This is A Taste of Home. Hi, Mom. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, or Sharon, as I should say, for those who might not know you. Oh, well, I'm so excited that you asked me to be on your podcast, Shannon. I'm honored. I I think this is very exciting. I'm very, very excited to have you. It's been great getting to chat with other people about their experiences growing up, and I thought, what a perfect way to end our to have my mom on here and to reflect a little bit about uh, both of our childhoods. Well, thank you. So as I've done uh, with all my guests uh, so far, I just wanted to kind of take a minute to acknowledge the the moment that we're in and uh, COVID-19 and just talk, get a sense from you um, how isolation has sort of impacted your life more generally, and then maybe a bit more specifically sort of your, your cooking and eating habits. Well, I was off work for 10 weeks, and that has never happened to me before in my life. So mm-hmm. uh, I found the first couple of weeks was great. It was kind of like a vacation. I got caught up in some home projects. I got some cleaning and organizing done. And then after that, quite honestly, I felt it uh, was a very lonely time because we couldn't go and see anybody Um, I spent a lot of time on the phone chatting with people, but it's just still not the same as seeing people face to face. Um, So then I did start to do more cooking. As you know, your dad normally traveled and I would cook maybe two or three times a week. And now suddenly I was having to meal plan for seven days in a week and cook all the suppers Um, so I found it very, I found it challenging. I found it interesting. Uh, and then I gave myself a bit of a project to learn how to use my Instapot. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I rather enjoyed that. I watched some YouTube videos and I made some meals in my Instapot that turned out quite well. And then when I got a little bored of all of that, I ordered a couple of those meal kits where you get the three nights of meals and, you make it out of the box. And I also really enjoyed that. So I, I tried to do a lot of different things just to um, make my cooking more interesting and uh, just to give myself a break finally when I got tired of the seven suppers a week. I know I was I was in the same boat. I didn't uh, I didn't realize how much work it was to meal plan for seven days. And, and I think like most people trying to cut down on the frequency of going to the grocery store. Yes. Meant sort of having to do a lot more forward thinking than than I would normally do. Usually it was sort of like for three, four days. And now it was, you know, at least a week, if not more. And also you couldn't get everything at the grocery store when you would go. So sometimes you would plan to make something and then you go to the grocery store and one of the key ingredients wasn't there. And it's a very stressful situation in the store. And then you're trying to pivot to what you're going to cook. And yeah, it, it was quite a challenge. For sure, for sure. Well, it sounds like you uh, you came up with some creative ways to sort of keep it uh, keep it fresh and exciting. So, and so I kept us fed. There you go. That's the important thing. Yes. So, for our listeners, sort of to get us started today, I'm kind of wondering if we can kind of look 
backward first. And if you can tell us a little bit about sort of your family's food philosophy growing up, and then at the same time, maybe sort of reflect a little bit on how it impacts your cooking style today. Well, when I was growing up um, in the late 60s and 70s, when my mom was doing the cooking for us, and really that's the way that it was, my dad didn't do any of the cooking at home at all. We were very traditional of that time, I think, where mostly we ate uh, every night uh, a meat, a potato, and one or two vegetables, We rarely had pasta. I always remember having pasta, whether it was like a spaghetti with, you know, a meat sauce or a lasagna as being like a very special meal. And we always finished with dessert every night, dessert of like cakes or cookies or pies. And definitely in our house, fruit was not considered dessert. It was always something um, very decadent and made with white flour. Oh yeah, for sure. I hundred percent agree. Uh, fruit is not a dessert. No, absolutely not. I think we've carried that through in our own family. <laughs> yes. If anyone is listening from my first episode, I think I mentioned that, that no meal is complete without, without, without a, dessert. a dessert, without that's, something sweet. For that's sure. Right. That's right. Yes. And then I think that I, uh, carried over, um, in my own family, we always ate dinner together as you, when you and your sister were growing up. And even when you were um, involved in sports, I really tried to make sure that we would have an early dinner instead of feeding you in the car. I never really wanted to be that mom that was handing you a peanut butter sandwich in the car. If I didn't have to, I always like to make something nutritious and well, hopefully delicious. And I think that cooking when you kids were younger was something that I did like out of necessity, like we had to get you fed. And I've since um, you got older and now that it's just your dad and I here or we cook for friends and family, I'm doing things that I enjoy more and I'm trying different recipes because I'm not quite so rushed in making food all the time. It's much more enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And we should also mention too that you were a working mom. So a lot yes. of, you know, you were sort of working part-time, but still the the demands of that didn't necessarily mean that you could come home and make a three or four course dinner, No, uh, you no. know, Monday to Friday sort of thing. No, so. it was try to get dinner on the table in about a half an hour if I could. So um, that's what I focused on then. For sure. I thought it might be sort of uh, interesting because obviously you and I sort of share uh, some memories, unlike some other uh, guests that I've had on the podcast. So I thought it might sort of share some of my own impressions about our family's uh, cooking style and food philosophy, if you will, growing up and some of the things that I've adopted into my own kitchen. And then maybe I'll just sort of have you reflect on that. And I think the first, um, which you've already touched on, um, is really the importance of eating together. Yes. And that really is a standout memory for me. I can think of maybe on one hand a time when we didn't all four of us uh, sit down together. Yes. And I think that was really important. You know, it was a time for us to connect. We were very busy, lots of sports, uh, lots of extracurriculars, you know, two parents who work full time, but that sort of 30 minutes was extremely precious. Yes. And an opportunity for us to, to reconnect. Yes. And it's definitely something that I've tried 
to be consistent with in my own home. Chris and I are very much the same way. We're very busy people working full time, but I think we really make a point of, of trying to carve out that other as, as sort of some sacred time together. Yes. Cause I think if so, you don't, then sometimes it's hard to find it in any other time of the day, but everybody does have to eat. So if exactly. you can sit down to do that, then I think it's very important. For sure. The second I would say would, it would be sort of your organization around how sort of you, you kept the kitchen and how you thought about meal planning. Because again, as we've already talked on, we were a very busy family, but I have these very sort of vivid memories of, you know, you sitting down with the, you know, the ads yes. from the, you know, the flyer and seeing what was in season and seeing what was on, on sale and um, really being methodical in terms of planning out the week. I was. I don't and... know if you remember that. I used to have a calendar and I used to yes. write out, I think I still actually have some of them. I would write out for every week what we were going to eat every day. And then I think that it helped take the stress off because I didn't have to think of it first thing in the morning. Oh, what am I going to take out of the freezer? I already knew. I knew then um, what to buy at the grocery store. So I didn't overbuy or waste things. And I mean, it was always, you know, if what we were going to have on Wednesday, we had it on Friday. Well, then that was fine too. But I was very organized about all of that stuff. And I really think that it helped keep our family on track. For sure. And it's definitely something that I've um, picked up and run with here as well. Like I find it extremely stressful to not know what I'm going to make. Like I enjoy cooking, yes, but I don't necessarily enjoy all of the, you know, the preparation or the, the, thinking out on the fly. So I've certainly, um, uh, picked up, picked up on that habit and will spend some time, you know, usually on a Sunday, sit down, think about what I'm going to eat for the week, make my list accordingly. And then there's just like this sense of relief after a long day when you can just sort of open the fridge and everything that you need is right there. And we, we've adopted a similar, we've got, it's not a calendar, uh, but it's a chalkboard. So it's right there. Yes. So, you know, Chris, Chris is wondering what's, what's on deck. It's, it's right, right. there. Your dad, so. your dad said he saw that when he was at your house last week. So always, always very curious to know what's for dinner. So. Yes. But I also think that it helps you not just make all the same things as a fallback because you're not organized. So this way, yeah. if you're organized, it gives you the opportunity to try some different recipes or to maybe look in the flyer and see what's on sale and take advantage of that as well. So For sure. because I find if you don't pre-plan, then you tend to make the same things over and over again. And then you get a little bit bored with that. For sure. You just go to your default, yes. right? Because, well, oh my gosh, it's five o'clock. We've got to eat something. Right. I just need to grab what's there. Yes. For sure. Yes, exactly. For sure. So when you think about some of those things and, and sort of the way that you thought about cooking and kind of getting, getting food on the table and whatnot. Do you think a lot of that was intentional on your part or do you think it was partly circumstantial or, or maybe a combination of the two? I think it was a combination of the two. I think it, I brought forth some of the uh, strategies that my mom had used when we were growing up, but then I also wanted to be more adventuresome. So I was always Mm. someone who was 
cutting recipes out of magazines or I would watch an episode of City Line and see them make something and then I would try to recreate that in my own kitchen. And I still do that to this day. There, most weeks I probably make one or two new recipes. Yeah, that's interesting. I like to do that too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's nice to just sort of build out your... Yeah, your repertoire. Your repertoire. Yes. For sure. I, de- I definitely remember that accordion recipe. Yes. I still have it. The organizer that you have. So that... Uh, but I've started organizing that, definitely... that more and pulling out some recipes that I don't make anymore or that I find over because I'm, you know, older now. You change what you like to eat. Your taste buds change. And also, you're, I'm not cooking for a family anymore. So I don't have to do big like casserole things or yeah. whatever. So And your tastes change over time. So... Um, I don't keep those old recipes that I'm never going to make anymore. I make room for the new recipes that we really like. Yeah, that's great. So I wanted to uh, touch a little bit on sort of important food memories uh, from growing up. And I was going to share, I was going to share mine and just have you sort of reflect on it a little bit. Okay. And I was really sort of trying to think, I think I was trying to look for something profound and really I think what I've landed on is tacos okay and I think I think the reason that it's a standout is because it was always my favorite yes and for the listeners this was like an old El Paso yes <laughs> taco kit. kit like nothing no, nothing fancy gla- nothing fancy nothing uh, glamorous Hard shell. I'm, oh, I'm, yes. In, now we have to get the hard and soft shell combo because we have a split house on this. Okay. But, but they were, it was always um, part of a celebration. You yes. know, if it was my birthday or if I was coming home for a visit yes. or, um, you know, some other kind of moment uh, of achievement. Well, still to this day, always, when you come to this home, day, I always make a taco dinner for sure. Yeah. Yes. And you would, and I think it was that you would always offer that yes. as the, um, you know, we're, you know, we're going to be celebrating you today. Why don't we do tacos? Yes. So honestly, I think happy memories and those, you know, nice milestones growing yes. up, we were always having tacos. And I think that's why it's sort of my, my standout food memory. And now I make homemade guacamole to go with them. So I've, uh, you know, increased my repertoire too. There you go. In the '90s, I feel like guacamole was oh, not no. thing. Oh no! Absolutely not. I did not I like buy avocados in the '90s. No. Yeah. What is this rare fruit? Is it a fruit? Is it? And how do you prepare it? Sure. And what do you do? And how do you know if it's ripe in the store? Oh my god! I, I still no, don't, I don't know either. that. <laughs> so I would be curious to know if you have a food memory from when Jenny and I were growing up, and sort of what that what that means to you. Oh, absolutely I do. My memory of you two growing up is that in when each of you reached grade 12, I tasked you with making supper for our family one night a week and you generally always pick the same night like every Thursday so it was consistent. And the reason I did that was I wanted you ladies to learn how to cook so that you could feed yourselves as you went away to university or when you grew up. And also I wanted you to learn how to cook. Like those are very important skills. And I honestly was so pleasantly surprised with 
the fact that you guys didn't really, at least to my face, complain about it. And you did so well. And especially your sister, who was the pickiest eater on in our family. And I thought, we are going to be eating chicken fingers and french fries every week. And really, there was no criteria. You guys could have made whatever you wanted as long as you made it. And yep. she really, Jenny, really went out of the box and made some really interesting and delicious things, as did you. Like, sometimes the meals, I thought, were like, restaurant quality I was always so impressed and I really think that that um, well it was very helpful in our family because then I could go and do errands after work and come home and have this lovely cooked meal Um, and then it gave you guys the skills to learn how to cook that I do think have served you well in life so far oh they definitely did I remember I mean maybe it was not to your face but I do recall some internal grumbling (laughs) that I would, you know, much rather be on MSN, if you will, than, um, you know, cooking dinner. But uh, it really comes quick. And uh, when you move out and you realize, oh, my gosh, like, I am on my own here. Yes. Um, And I can eat, I can eat craft dinner or, um, you know, because I learned these skills growing up, you know, there's so much more opportunity there. Yes. Also taught you to cook for other people as well. It is one, it's, it's a different skill just to learn to cook for yourself, which is a very important skill as well. It's also important to learn how to cook for others and how to take their tastes and likes and dislikes into consideration. And also to learn about quantities, about how much do you cook for four people as opposed to one person or two. Those are important skills as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Because I mean, there's the time when you can just sort of scramble an egg for yourself, but that's a different skill than, you know, being able to put together a full meal all at the same time, getting it on the table for four people with, as you said, diverse um, tastes, tastes, if you will. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. No, I definitely, uh, I definitely remember that. And, and there was, uh, lots of great learnings and skills, um, from that. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. You made some great food. So just uh, as my last question today, I'm just kind of curious to know, um, as my mom, if you have any sort of uh, further advice now with, when it comes to cooking and when it comes to sort of a, a family's food philosophy, sort of now that I've moved out and it's been kind of a number of years since you've had uh, a couple kids living at home, if there's anything kind of new that you've learned as a home cook that you would want to sort of pass on to me as I sort of build up, build up my cooking and, and how we cook here as a family, Chris and I. Yes. I would say, enjoy it. Enjoy the process. Mm. Don't maybe get so bogged down in all of the rules of cooking and don't get bogged down in the final product because it's always about the people that are sitting at the table. People are going to remember the meal that they had at your house in terms of the good time that they had or that it was relaxed. Nothing really spoils a meal more than a hectic or unrelaxed or unhappy cook who's just putting this dinner on the table because she's invited you for dinner or felt she needed to feed you. It's just 
relax and enjoy the people. And sometimes the best stories um, happen whenever you have a bit of a cooking disaster. And then those are the things Mm. that you talk about and laugh about later. But you really just need to enjoy the people and the food will be a nice compliment. Um, But the people are the most important thing. Oh, that's really great advice. Thank you. So what a lovely conversation today, mom. Thank you again so much. Oh, you're so welcome. I really enjoyed this. So just before we go, um, I like to ask all my guests if they wouldn't mind leaving the audience with a little uh, food for thought. So as it is every week, it could be a recipe recommendation or a celebrity chef to follow or an ingredient that you love. So I will turn it over to you um, to let us know uh, what you'd like to leave us with today. I think back just back to my the point I just made is that really just enjoy cooking. There's so much out there that you can taste and you can try on for size and see really what works for you and for your family. And don't get bogged down in the details. It should be something that is joyful and shared with others and very uh, happy memories can be made around a dinner table. That is great advice just to have fun with it. Yes. I really like that. Yes. Great. Well, thank you again, mom, so much for being on uh, the podcast today. Really great conversation as always. Oh, well, thank you very much, Shannon. I'm very honored to be your guest. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. That's a wrap on season one of A Taste of Home. Thank you to all my fabulous guests for sharing their stories with us. You've inspired me to be more adventurous in my cooking, and I've already adopted many of your tips into my own kitchen. Thanks again, and stay tuned for future episodes.